today, Dennis. Hello to you. You Hello, brought Jane. a little bunch of Vitex. Just for you, Jane. Just Vitex for you. Vitex <laughs> Agnes. Castus. Castus. And I've got to say, we do have a picture of that on our website, on the Health Naturally page, on 2NURFM.com.au. It's flowering at the moment. Oh, that's one of the reasons I want to talk about it, Jane, because in, in my yard back in the Hunter, we have two magnificent specimens which in early summer just break into mag- this magnificent uh, blossom. And it is one of your favourite it herbs. It is the whole history. And uh, I'm going to share some of the history with it, its uses. A remarkable herb, but for the sake of listeners, a beautiful herb to look at at this time of the year when it's in full dark blue flowering. And check it out mm, on our mm, website, mm. Vitex Agnus Castus. Well and of well course, done, it's also known as Chase Tree. It is indeed. It is many names. And health naturally. And Dennis, uh, we're looking at the Vitex Agnus Castus, the Chase Tree, in full mm, bloom mm. at the moment from your garden. Look, it's, it's magnificent. I should mention to listeners that the uh, herb has also been known as, as hemp bush. And uh, that's why I jocularly said this morning that I had brought in some uh, something to smoke because the leaves of it look very much like marijuana. Mm. That hence its name, the hemp tree. But it's most commonly known um, outside of its botanical name as chase tree, mainly because it has strong hormonal characteristics. Um, I won't elaborate on why it was called chase tree, but if you relate it also to one of its uh, earlier. Uh, Middle Ages name. Um, it was also known as known as monk's pepper, and so <laughs> something it, to do with it, monks. Correct. You might think. It, it was popularly used um, to lessen libido, hence its name chase tree, and hence its name monk's pepper. Now that's a little bit of jocularity in it. In, in modern herbal medicine, it uh, transcends that sort of level and becomes one of the most impressive and useful medicinal herbs for addressing many female reproductive disorders, uh, particularly uh, what I refer to as a functional infertility or uh, conditions of what we might call hormonal imbalance. And uh, I have used it in, the, in that way for the vast, uh, long, long time of my career and uh, pride myself on the fact that... Uh, as far as I'm aware, uh, I was the first to take up the use of the herb and the first to lecture on it, believe it or not, in the lectures that I gave at Glebe uh, in the town hall to a whole body of uh, undergraduate students. This goes back to the late 70s, early 80s. So it's a herb to me that uh, is very precious, hence I grow it in, in my own home. And it's one of those herbs, Jane, that I encourage listeners to uh, hunt round, get hold of a little tree, um, plant it. It, it uh, grows very, very quickly. And uh, it's one of those trees that will just delight anyone that's interested in beautiful flowers and beautiful plants. This is one of those trees that, in my opinion, everyone should get. But, of course, I say that about many herbs. Uh, I was going to say this at the end of the program, but I think it's important in my encouraging listeners to have a look at the uh, the blossom of this uh, small tree on the website that Jane has already mentioned uh, and see the beauty of it. It's probably not that easily procured. 
Um, but I was uh, saying earlier before we came on the program, my dear wife and myself frequently go to the New England region, which is her birthplace, and there are some remaining relatives there that we like to see at least once a year. And we always call in at a, at a nursery midway between Armadale and Gyra. I think it's called High Country uh, Nursery. They have trees there that you don't see frequently down here, and we always purchase uh, Vitex agnus castus when we go there and inevitably uh, plant them in, in, our, in the property or pass them on to people that are interested. But that's a lovely nursery for those that are interested in buying plants, medicinal um, trees and plants, not just those, but a good range of them, particularly those that pertain to areas of, of the world that are slightly different to our terrain, although Vitex grows beautifully. So remember that, midway between Armadale and Gyra, I think it's called High Mountain or Black Mountain Nursery. Um, mention our names, they'll relate to you straight away and I'm sure they'll give you a good deal. <laughs> so where does it grow originally? It's where? Mediterranean herb. Ah. It grows prolifically in the Mediterranean. And of course, um, uh, the hunter in particular has been... Uh, if you like, compared favourably with the Mediterranean, hence the prolific growing now of olives, as well as the uh, the growing of grapes, which has been taking place for a long time. But the growing of olives in the Hunter now, uh, in recent decades, um, indicates, if you like, this Mediterranean connection. And I believe that explains also why this magnificent medicinal plant or small tree uh, grows so well there. But it will grow anywhere. Uh, anyway, enough about that. It was one of my great discoveries, but there's a bit of a history. We might have a look at that, that in just a moment. Fascinating history. Dennis Stewart today, Health Naturally. We're talking about the chase tree or mm. Vitex mm. agnus castus. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't originally known in no, Australia, no, Dennis. not at all. And, and this is uh, of considerable interest. Um, herbal medicine in this country up until the 70s and 80s when I started lecturing, was predominantly preoccupied with what was called the Thomsonian, the Anglo-American system. Uh, and that was great. We still use that. But there were very few herbs from what we might call continental Europe involved in herbal medicine when I started my career many, many years ago. Vitex was taken on board by myself. And as far as I'm aware, I was the first to begin to lecture on it and certainly the first to begin prescribing it. And that largely occurred as a result of my searching, if you like, for remedies that would make an impact uh, from a more credible perspective on many of the conditions that many women experience. And my career has been associated with finding or stumbling upon literature, credible literature, which has led me into discovering um, and lecturing and subsequently using many of those discoveries. And I discovered a book written by Captain Geoffrey Whitehouse. And that's a very, if you like, auspicious pakadamim. Uh, he was obviously associated with the British Army, but became, interestingly, uh, one of Britain's uh, greatest uh, herbalists. And his heyday, I think, was, don't hold me to it, in the 60s and 70s, when he wrote frequently in the British magazine, His Health. And Whitehouse specialised in herbal medicine for female reproductive conditions and wrote a book, Every Woman's Guide to Natural Health. 
Now I'll pause and say that again because this book is not an easy book to procure, but for anyone, a layperson or a practitioner who's interested in very readable material on herbal benefits for female reproductive conditions, Captain Geoffrey Whitehouse's book, Every Woman's Guide to Natural Health, is worthwhile getting. And he mentioned Vitex Agnes Castus in that book. It stunned me, and I'll explain why in a moment. Because Rod is on the line from Charlestown. Rodney, you've got a question about gout, and it's not yours. No, thank you, Jane. Uh, good afternoon, Dennis. How are you? I'm very well, Rodney. How can I help you? Um, well, I'm, I'm ringing on behalf of my wife. She's um, been getting uh, severe gout the last couple of times, yes. and it, it's got worse where it's... Um, She's got a bunion on, on her foot, yes. but um, she's been prescribed prednisone by the doctor, yes. which worries me greatly because mm. she suffers from glaucoma, yes. uh, wide-angle uh, glaucoma. Yes. Um, and, of course, one gives her insom- insomnia mm. and she can't sleep and that sort of thing. So yes. we're sort of trying to – I'm trying to work around it to try and get some sort of herbal solution because um, yes. many years ago you saw my two children – when they were very sick at daycare, and oh, yes. you put me on to, um, I just can't think of the, the thing. It was a very simple one. Um, Not echinacea. Echinacea. That yes. was, and, yes. and it was like it was like the switch came on. Yes. And after that, my two my two children, they, they've grown healthy now. They're, yes. they're as, as big and tall yeah. and strong. Yes. But um, Margaret's really got me concerned because oh, it, it's, dear, it's dear, affecting dear. her. Yes. You know, tying her up, and sure. she is. She does. She's a hard worker, and she's sure. trying to get things done, but she can't move with her yeah. foot. Now, it's definitely been diagnosed as gout, has it, Rodney? Yes, yes, it okay. has, Dennis. Yes. Do- doctor's yes. done his uh, blood work, and she's got high levels of uh, high levels of uric acid. And yes. has uh, the doctor prescribed along the way uh, allopurinol? Uh, yes, he has. Yes, yes. But, but she's still getting gout. Is she even by she's taking? Still, she, yeah, and it's just a rare, it's rare occasions. And like we've tried to figure out whether it was tomatoes, yes, whether yeah. it was um, we've gone back through yeah. what she's eaten. Yeah, well, you know, gout's gout's one of these conditions um, that uh, is very very difficult to interpret as to what triggers it off. In the past, there used to be a strong emphasis on. Eat, eating um, particular foods, particularly things like oysters or drinking particular yep. alcohol drinks like uh, mm. red wine, etc. There may yeah. be some truth in that, but it doesn't always sort of work because over my many years, I've seen many patients with gout that are living uh, what yep. you might call very, very, um, you know, um, very pure lives, if you want to use that term mm. in inverted commas, mm-hmm. and they still go down with uric mm. acid. Keep in mm. mind, keep in mind, and I say this to listeners also, uh, mm. uric acid, which a doctor picks up as a result of high level of urates coming up in, mm. in your blood test, um, th- that can also be associated with some um, medications that incorporate what are called thiazide diuretics. Um, now, right. they can, and I'm, that's probably not your wife, but it's worthwhile yeah. mentioning that um, a long-term exposure to those diuretics, which frequently accompany uh, blood pressure medication, can, right. can uh, yeah. and it's in the literature, lead to elevated levels of uric acid and may precipitate a tendency for gout. But assuming right. your, your doctor has done that, that's fine. The other thing also is um, with, with, with gout... Um, you have to be sure that it is gout because associated mm. with it, you you can also find the development of what are called TOFI, T-O-P-H-I. 
Now, okay. they are, they, these are very, very painful lesions that usually uh, progressively uh, cause lumps or bumps to occur uh, and reach the point uh, where they're very inflamed, very swollen, and, and frequently will discharge a white chalky uh, substance at which point the tophus will, will, will dissipate. Uh, mm-hmm. That's worthwhile mentioning to your doctor, I'm sure. He's factored mm-hmm. that in, but what are called tophi, T-O-P-H-I, uh, the, the uh, singular being tophus, um, occur with people that have high levels of uric acid and maybe that needs to be factored into the equation. But anyway, yeah. assuming that uh, that's not the case, one of the best things that you, you can do, in, in, obviously in my opinion, is, mm-hmm. to, is to flush the system, um, and that is to make sure you're drinking plenty of fluids um, yep. That's one of the problems today. Our sedentary lifestyle uh, works against uh, this, and we become, if you like, sometimes a bit dehydrated. And yep. this works against uh, draining, if you like, the system or flushing it, mm. as the Europeans say. But, mm. but if you were to go to the net, you would find that the juice of the cherry is one mm-hmm. of the most is one of the most well documented. Let me emphasise well-documented natural substances with, mm-hmm. a, with a credible preventative action against gouty conditions. Right. Now, now, I know this myself because my stocky Scottish build, which takes after my father, also predisposes me uh, to my father's history of high levels of uric acid. And it's not because I drink too much red wine. I do drink red wine. I have no problem with that. But it's not just associated with that. Uh, And so my dear wife will tell you, I take every day preparations that are based, if you like, on concentrated extracts of cherry juice. Now, there are products in the marketplace... I will not mention brand names, that's not the purpose of the program, but a good health food store or a good naturopathic practice or even your pharmacist should have, should have standardised, TGA-approved preparations of gout uh, conditions based on the extract of cherry juice. Now, that might sound a little bit quaint, but you go to the net and I'll I'll be proved to be right. And, to, mm-hmm. and two of America's most important naturopathic physicians, Pizzorno and Murray, in their mm-hmm. book entitled Encyclopedia of Natural Health, speak glowingly of that preparation in providing, uh, over a period of time, and not I'm not talking about years, we're talking about weeks, mm-hmm. a, a tangible uh, ability evidenced by some degree of dropping in the uric acid level in your in your wife's blood test, that is something very important to get onto. The other thing is, if you go to the literature, the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia has a great deal of confidence also in celery seed extract. Now, not celery itself, but celery seed, and that is a, a medicinal preparation that herbalists trained in in the Anglo-American system, as, as I was trained, will still prescribe that as an extract, mainly in liquid form. To, to accompany uh, the prescribing of, cher- of concentrated uh, cherry juice or cherry extract. That is not a bad treatment to start with. I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if that didn't break through uh, this recurring condition. Now, the thing about it is I'm not aware 
of using either of those herbal approaches has any uh, clash with your doctor's prescribing of allopurinol. So yep. um, discuss it with your GP. He needs right. he needs to know. He, he, there was no objection to it, I'm sure. Uh, so it could be, if you like, a an added string to your bow to give mm-hmm. your wife a little bit of um, a little bit of better management of it. I'm I'm still one of these old-fashioned people that belong or be, that believe that the old-fashioned medical way of managing this, unpleasant as it might be, uh, is not too bad. Works too works pretty well, and that is, of course, as your doctor would know, in the acute phase of it, uh, not just fall back on steroids such as prednisone, but mm. to, to think of the alkaloid culture scene. Uh, mm-hmm. which is in various pharmaceutical preparations. Only your doctor can script it. But colchicine comes from the herb colchicum automali, um, and it has a long, long history of being able to break the back of an acute mm-hmm. gouty episode, albeit there's mm-hmm. some unpleasant uh, diarrhoea symptoms that accompany it. But, mm-hmm. but I'm still a fan mm-hmm. of, uh, of using that technique, usually accompanied medically, by a, a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, uh, such mm. as indesit or something like that, until the acute phase is over. You can yep. mention that to your doctor. I'm not telling him how to suck eggs. But no, no, I've, no, no. I've found that very useful, and I've passed that on, that mm. technique, uh, to patients that have come in with severe levels of acute gout, and I've suggested they go back to their GP and mention that technique. And I'm thinking one, Ma- one Maori gentleman who thinks that I'm some sort of uh, uh, person from heaven because uh, <laughs> I recommend that he do that. And uh, two weeks after, he walked in uh, like you wouldn't believe. Um, and it was only because he took that advice and mentioned it to his GP that, and she prescribed it, and his gout went very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a few Thanks. approaches, but think of the celery uh, sol- seed extract with... Right with concentrated preparations of cherry juice, get on the net and you'll find that I'm right. Would I be able to get that down at your Warner's Bay store? You should be able to. Any health food store, any health food store, favour the one most close to you. We try to help and support all of our health food stores. But some of the the pharmacies also um, stock good levels of these things. Either way, way, you should be able to get it locally. Great. Thank you very much once again, Dennis. You've been absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thanks for your call, Rodney. And just before we leave the topic, Jenny has rung up from Allworth. She's not on the line, Dennis, but she says that her husband has found a tonic called Urtica, which gives good relief. Sounds like a stinging nettle to me. Urtica is the botanical name for stinging nettle. And Urtica uh, is a remedy that is also used uh, mainly to manage... Uh, the acute phase of some levels of gout. The the theory being here that contact uh, with the stinging nettle will precipitate pain and unpleasantness equivalent to anything that gout gives. So I suspect that what this lady is using is a homeopathic preparation of urtica prescribed on the basis of like cures like. A uh, very sound principle. So, yeah, look, urtica... Uh, in homeopathic form, probably in a low potency, say around about 6x, 3x to 6x, taken in pilule form or liquid form, would be good to cover an acute phase of this condition. 
And this is Health Naturally with Dennis Stewart. He is taking your calls. Janice joins us from Swansea. Janice, uh, your topic is tinnitus. Yes, it is. I do suffer from tinnitus and it seems to be getting worse. Oh, dear, dear. Um, uh, I have not been able to find anything that will give me relief mm. when I'm stressed it is worse. It's worse, yes, yes. Uh, and it's beginning to keep me awake at night. Oh, so dear. I'm, I'm at the stage where I'm probably needing something to make me go to sleep. But yes. if there's something that can support the, my problem. Sure. Look, I'll ask you a few questions, as you would expect me, uh, mm -hmm. with reference to this. Uh, how long have you been struggling with it? Well, uh, I've had it for probably five years. Okay. But it's only in the last 12 months that it's become so loud that I can... Uh, it keeps me awake. Okay. Now, has it, have you had it medically investigated? No, I haven't. Look, first, first up, with anything like this, first let me say that tinnitus is the or what you refer to as ringing in the ears is yes. not a is not an easy condition to treat uh -huh. uh, medically or non-medically and i think I'm, I'm right in saying that now having said that a condition like this if it hasn't been investigated my first advice would be to see your gp uh, mm -hmm. and to get him to uh, well initiate uh, okay. some investigation just to make sure that there is no pathology behind it uh, or any mechanical reason why this would be occurring. Uh, okay. in, in, in most cases, um, it, it doesn't lead, well, this has, been, this has been my experience, it doesn't lead to any great um, alteration in the condition, but you can clear up uh, some of the potential factors. In mm. the, in, in, if everything comes up with no explanation, that is... You have no um, catarrhal conditions or what might be referred to as, as eustachian tube catarrh or mucus buildup in, right. the, in the tube. Uh, if there is no um, uh, damage to any as aspect of, of the ear and the apparatus, what yes. I suggested you, you do is don't give up. There yes. is a, a lot of evidence uh, that a, a chronic, that is a long-term use of one of the most uh, popular and modern herbal preparations uh, known as ginkgo yes. is worthwhile working with. Now, let me just say that frequently people that use ginkgo will ring up or, or say to me or let me know, well, I've tried ginkgo and did nothing for me. Well, mm. let, let me say with reference to ginkgo that ginkgo has a, re a remarkable approval in Europe by the European uh, accrediting organisations are... But the benefits of tinnitus only occur after you have taken ginkgo for an extended period of time. Not a, few, right. not a few weeks, but mm. quite a few months yes. and anything up to a year. But go, if you are competent in, in getting on the net, Google, yes. Google uh, ginkgo, ginkgo biloba. Yes. Ginkgo biloba uh, and then put tinnitus there and yes. you'll, you'll see the confident... Uh, European claims uh, for the herb. I come back to the point, however, that it must be taken over an extended period of time. Now, right. having said that, if there is any history or any finding that your condition is associated with uh, a build-up of fluid 
or a chronic level of what we what I used to call eustachian tube catarrh. Mm. There are there are three herbs usually prescribed in liquid form that have helped a number of my patients who whose tinnitus has been associated with 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 blockage in the eustachian tube, build up of fluid, or a history of infection. I'll mention the three herbs for you, which yes. from a good herbalist or naturopath or compounding pharmacist could be put together in a mixture. Now, have you got a pencil and paper? If you have, these, yes. her, these herbs are called up in the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, the Bible of modern herbal medicine. First yes. one is golden seal. Right. Second one is black cohosh. Black cohosh. And the third one is ground ivy. Okay. Now, yes. they're relatively inexpensive. Usually, most herbalists uh, would have them in their dispensary. Uh, they can they can accompany the ginkgo, although ginkgo comes in very sophisticated, uh, standardised pharmaceutical form today, which gives you a, a high level of activity with the ginkgo. They can accompany that, but I would suggest you try one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Get it investigated. Have a look yes. at it. I suspect there may not be any major finding. If that is the case, give yourself a confident exposure uh, mm-hmm. to the ginkgo. What I suggest also is, in as much that stress uh, uh, aggravates the condition, and I can understand why, and mm. this is reflecting itself in insomnia, uh, don't overlook the benefits of the South Pacific herb known as kava, K-A-V-A. Now, kava, people giggle when we talk about kava because they think of their trip to Fiji where they uh, were offered it, usually in very uh, suspicious forms. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, it has a medicinal reputation, which is very sound indeed, and insomnia and anxiety mm. are conditions for which it is useful and for which I prescribe uh, the herb usually in a standardised tablet form I would suggest that even before you go down the pathway of, of uh, getting management to help you uh, lower the level of stress or anxiety in the system and to yeah. give you some uh, better sleep, get hold of some carver tablets, yeah. uh, one in the morning and one before bed at night. It will not wipe you out. The dose is low. Uh, yeah. and, and so long as you're not a big drinker of alcohol, mm-hmm. um, there should be no problem in using the herb. Health Naturally with Dennis Stewart. And Dennis, we've had a call from Michelle. She's rung in from Hawk's Nest. She's not on the line now, but poor circulation is what she wanted to talk to you about. Okay, this is a a very common condition, but poor circulation uh, can occur um, as a result of, obviously, uh, factors that have happened uh, as far as blockage of blood vessels. Uh, If it's associated with poor circulation in what we call the extremities, uh, that could be a condition known as intermittent claudication where major blockage of supply vessels uh, causes painful uh, leg pain. Uh, Again, not an easy condition to treat, but interestingly, interestingly, uh, the herb ginkgo uh, has a reputation, a brilliant reputation of promoting improvement even in impaired circulation, such as some levels of, what, of what's called intermittent claudication. So I'm not overplaying my hand when I say that this remarkable modern preparation of ginkgo biloba has some profoundly useful 
medical conditions and with circulatory distress, particularly to the the legs, it has a reputation which I have proven in practice and saw it work brilliantly in patients uh, that used to see me in my rooms at Church Street in the 80s before the earthquake when I started using um, Chase Tree to treat circulatory conditions, um, quite serious ones, where pain and, and things were characteristic of them. And many patients in those days used to walk from Newcastle Station up the hill to my rooms opposite the police station. And we were able to gauge improvement in their circulation and by the way in which the the long-term taking of that herb over quite a few months saw them walk from the station to my rooms in Church Street much more comfortably. So there again, I'm sure that was not something that was all psychosomatic. So ginkgo needs to be looked at. Uh, So long as, however, uh, patients that have circulatory problems are not on a multitude of medical drugs because ginkgo can be sometimes contraindicated if patients are on medications, uh, particularly what we refer to loosely as blood thinning medications. If patients are on blood thinning medication and want to use the herb ginkgo, they should discuss it uh, with their doctor or pharmacist. It's the first herb that comes up for circulatory distress, even as serious uh, as intermittent claudication where it's worthwhile giving a go. The American herb, which is recommended in the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, uh, a work that I have uh, worked from all my professional life, is the American herb commonly known as prickly ash. It is known as a primary uh, peripheral circulatory remedy and is even used in the attempted management of what's called Raynaud's syndrome, where circulation is so poor that uh, parts of the, uh, of the extremities uh, are very, very cold and, and, uh, and turn blue, particularly in wintertime, Raynaud's syndrome. It's even worthwhile giving a go there the European herbs, uh, broom, the European herb known as broom, and the European herb known as horse chestnut are also very popular remedies in continental Europe to address the condition also. So either way, uh, ginkgo is a starting base, a long-term perseverance with it, reinforced uh, by prickly ash from the American selection of herbs or the attempted use of horse chestnut in, conjun- in conjunction with broom, if one wants to select herbs from the European tradition. Excellent. Mm. Now, mm. we've been talking, of mm. course, about the chase tree no, or uh, Vitus agnus castus. Yes, and, uh, yeah, we've got time just well, to talk about some of its benefits uh, and how it's been used. Well, we probably need three programs to exhaust <laughs> this, but it, it needs to be seen loosely speaking, as a hormone balancer. That is the way that uh, that White House uh, talks of the condition. So that in medical states where, for instance, there is an excess of estrogen, as evidenced by, um, if you like, um, a lot of uh, conditions where there's swelling, uh, breast tenderness, heavy bleeding at the period, Vitex is seen as one of those remedies that, if you like, dampens conditions of estrogen excess and supports what we call the luteal phase of the cycle. So conditions of estrogen excess, uh, some of which I have just mentioned there, Vitex is prescribed by any herbalist that has been educated well and knows anything about the herb. But its main use uh, 
is also in addressing what we call conditions of the luteal phase of the cycle, that is from ovulation through to menstruation, where particularly what is called the premenstrual syndrome is experienced by many women. It is a reality where in that phase it is considered that estrogen is, is dominant at the expense at the excess or the expense of progesterone. Um, this is known as the progesterone theory, which Whitehouse agreed with, uh, agreed with the ideas of Dr. Katerina Dalton, the British medical practitioner who developed the theory. And in this case, there are few herbs that can compete with Vitex for managing symptoms associated with the premenstrual phase, irritability, mood swings, uh, breast tenderness, the general set of symptoms that uh, cause great distress in many women and cause that phase of their cycle uh, to become very, very unpleasant indeed. So in a condition that used to be mocked by mainstream medicine, uh, the premenstrual phase, the premenstrual syndrome, Whitehouse demonstrated the remarkable ability of Vitex to progressively realign, if you like, or restore balance of the two hormones, and I'm talking rather loosely here, and saw it predominantly for that condition. Where I use it uh, outside of that condition is in the management of some conditions of female infertility, and it is uh, the, one of the primary herbs in uh, what is known as my famous infertility mix. These days I see myself using that term because it has become famous, and Vitex is one of the lead remedies following the European tradition that characterises that formula. There would be no case of infertility that I would treat that would not include Vitex agnus castus. Now let me just say, in every case of infertility, no naturopathic or herbal practitioner, in my opinion, should attempt to treat that condition unless it has been well and truly assessed medically and seen to be unresponsive to mainstream medical treatment. When that has been cleared, Vitex is a remarkable remedy for reproductive dysfunction. Thank you, Dennis mm. Stewart, and more from you next week to a new RFM's Health Naturally.